it is a privilege to be here today and to have confirmed Toby and Alec. It really has been an opportunity, as I said before, Toby and Alec, an opportunity to confirm the promises yourself that were made at your baptism on your behalf. An opportunity to publicly declare, yes, I want to belong to the church. I want to stand up for what I believe. And you both have said yes to Jesus' call to follow him on your journey through life. Today is an opportunity which leads to other opportunities, to grow into the person God wants you, has designed you to be, to grow in your desire to be used by God, and so continue to have opportunities to serve. I was pretty impressed with what you were describing before. And to discover your vocation, your calling as a Christian. Or in the words of today's Gospel reading, what it means for you to love Jesus, to keep his word. Confirmation is the opportunity to take responsibility for your faith, representing Jesus Christ in the world. We are Christ's ambassadors, God's co-workers in the world. The thing with opportunity is that it's so easy to put something in the way of it. It's so easy to be scared of it, to be afraid of taking, of what taking the opportunity will mean. Peter gave me the option of what I could preach on today. And I find at this particular stage of my ministry, I'm often drawn to what is known as the upper room discourse. Jesus spending time with his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And that's what we've read part of this morning. When Jesus spoke with his disciples in the upper room, they were facing a time of great change. It was the night, as I said, before he was to go to the cross. They were struggling with what the future held, let alone what part they were to play in it, and if they did, what that would mean for them. They knew things had to change. Yet when faced with it, especially the loss of their leader, they were full of fear and anxiety. Jesus said it at the beginning of this chapter, and he says it again in the verses we read this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Verse 25. You may or may not be aware that Mary Creek is now part of what is known as the Mamangata Episcopate. Uh, the Mamangata Episcopate are the parishes in the diocese that largely fall within the urban redevelopment zone. Houses replaced with units, apartments and so on, a large increase in population. So, you know, if we think of here and to the north, suburbs like Ivanhoe, Coburg, across to Kensington where I live, Essendon, Pascoeville, Pascoe Vale, sorry, and then, you know, on the other side there's St Kilda and south of the Yarra, down the eastern side of the peninsula, including suburbs like Kew, Box Hill, down to Blackburn, Doncaster. Uh, the Archbishop at the Special Synod last year used the image of an angel, uh, you know, where the head, with the other two episcopates, Jambala and Uthanong, being the wings down either side of the peninsula. 
Mamangata has the indigenous meaning of divine, supreme being, together with the two other episcopates, Bishop uh, Paul, Jambana Proclamation, Bishop Philip, whom I think you've met, Uthanong Gathering, names given in consultation with the elders of the Wurundjeri tribe. And together they have the meaning, the sense of making the word of God fully known, the vision of the diocese. The truth is, we have that vision as a diocese in a time of great change. Mary Creek, gathering here at Clifton Hill Primary, is a sign of that. So many churches in the area, but for so many people, simply not on their radar. The need to go where people gather, to reach people in a different way. I think all of our churches in the Mamangata Episcopate face the reality of the community changing around them. Whether it's to different ethnic groups, young families, change is very much the reality. In other ways as well, how many of us live or work in the same place as 10 years ago? Or as communities where we gather, what families look like? I don't live, uh, when, when I was in Yass, I don't live or work where I was 10 years ago. I've had two moves since then. There was a parishioner, Yass is just an hour out of Canberra. So it virtually operates now as a, as a, as a dormitory of Canberra. It's still a country town, but just only 50 minutes off the road and you've hit Canberra. There was a parishioner there, and I always remember her saying, has she taught children in the 1970s and 1980s at Yass Public School who had never been to Canberra? Or as a society, it actually can be a surprise to realise iPhones have only been around since 2007. One example of, of many huge technological changes, which mean, of course, now we belong to a global village and all that means. So what I'm trying to say is, it can all seem very hard, just as it did for the disciples in the upper room. It can be very easy to get overwhelmed by the challenges, and I would not be being entirely truthful as a bishop if at times I didn't have a certain fear and anxiety that, what do we do here? What does it mean for us to make the word of God fully known in such a changing environment? What will it mean for you, Toby and Alec, to be ambassadors for Christ, to love him and keep his word? What we read this morning in John, those few verses, is, is actually answering a question. Judas, not Iscariot, has just said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? The answer, in a nutshell, is through love and obedience with the help of the Holy Spirit. Through love and obedience with the help of the Holy Spirit. Love and obedience. Verse 23, those who love me will keep my word. That's the first place Jesus goes in answer. Jesus, the word of God revealing the Father, the full ministry of Christ on earth. Or as he puts it in the negative, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Maybe the plural there is referring more specifically to his teaching. Jesus wants us to take him seriously. 
in the decisions we make every day. Our love for him is to shape our lives. His word, his revelation of himself is to shape every part of our life. Jesus doesn't want his disciples nor us to miss the point. He draws an uncompromising connection between love for Christ and obedience for Christ. When we stop to think about it, we know that makes sense ourselves. The words, I love you, become pretty cheap if they're not backed up by action. Love for Jesus is action seen in obedience. And we've seen the same connection, the same nexus in the promises Toby and Alex made today. I turn to Christ. They've also declared they repent of their sins, reject selfish living and all that is false and unjust, and renounce Satan and all evil. And what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? To love God with all your heart, and your neighbour as yourself. Love and obedience made possible through the Holy Spirit. Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus fleshes this out in verses 25 forward. I've said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. The word translated Advocate there is also translated Helper. It's actually quite a special word in that form, capital A, or capital H, or in the Greek, capital P, Paracletus, not quite sure of the pronunciation again. Because actually in that form, it only occurs three cha- um, in these few chapters of John's Gospel in the upper room. And nowhere else in the New Testament except in John's first letter, where it's used of Jesus in the classical sense of an advocate interceding on their behalf. Correlation words, beseeching, helping, you know, verbs, entreating, comforting, consoling, exhorting, used many times. Jesus is the original advocate, paracletos, helper, the one who intercedes with the Father for the disciples and who comforts and exhorts them in their distress. These chapters in the upper room are a perfect model of what it means. But there is another advocate, helper, who will never be parted from them, Jesus is saying. He is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. His work is to interpret to the disciples the words and works of Jesus and to confront the world with the truth. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit we specifically prayed for this morning, to strengthen Toby and Alec with the gifts of grace, wisdom and understanding, discernment and inner strength, knowledge and true godliness. That was a very special prayer, a very all-encompassing prayer 
we prayed this morning for those sevenfold gifts of the Spirit. And more than anything else, we prayed that you would be filled with the wonder and awe of God's presence. The Holy Spirit is God present with us. For the disciples who had Jesus, who had walked with Jesus, ate, drank with Jesus for three years, this meant the Spirit reminded them, will remind them of what Jesus had said and done when they were with him so they could bear witness to Jesus in their lifetime and so that they were able to write down their witness in what we now have as the New Testament. For us, it's different. We haven't had the privilege of that three years. None of us were around when Jesus was alive on earth. We have to rely, we're fortunate to be able to rely, on the, witnesses of, on the witness of the apostles. Yet we have the Holy Spirit sent by Jesus, God dwelling within us just as they did. We have the Holy Spirit who reminds us of what Jesus has done by bringing the scriptures to life for us. It is also the Holy Spirit who helps us to obey. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus and gives us the strength to obey. And in verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That verse is very important. It's important because it reminds us of whom we are obeying. It makes it clear that the Father's love for us is not conditional on our love and obedience. Jesus is saying these words on the way to the cross. We read these words this side of Easter. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, declared his love for them, commanding them to love one another. And now for the first time, Jesus is speaking of their love for him. And in doing so, he's not setting out a list of conditions. He's describing a relationship, a set of relations. And that is, his true followers will love him, they will obey him because of who he is and because of what he has done and achieved. Obedience is the expression of our love, not the condition for Jesus loving us. Not just someone with a list of de demands, it is Jesus Christ who is prepared to sacrifice his life to achieve true peace. The world is powerless to give real peace. Any attempt to achieve it by ourselves doesn't work. It only works if we deal with the fundamental reason. Sin, disobedience of God, alienation from him. Jesus refers to my peace. It is his peace. He achieved it in his death and resurrection showing the truth of Jesus' claim to his disciples, the ruler of this world has no power over him. 
But Jesus, who can say that, is also obedient. He does what the Father commands so that the world may know that he loves the Father. So it's amazing, isn't it? What is true for us is true for Jesus. Genuine love is expressed through obedience. So that's why we pray for Toby and Alec and for all of us who are wanting to live out that vision of making the word of God fully known wherever, with whomever, God has placed us. That we will not be anxious and fearful, but will take the opportunity, all the opportunities that come with the help of the Holy Spirit to love, to serve in love and obedience.